Hello everyone and welcome to the Movie Shed Podcast. I'm of course your cinema-loving, shed-dwelling host, Mike. Ooh, what a provocative title this is, is it not? What does it mean? Well, it's actually about franchise dumpster fires. <laughs> kind of clickbaity, I know, but hey, I do what I do. I do what I can. And what do I mean, you know, with these, if at first you don't succeed, quit with the franchise dumpster fires? Well, I think we've all seen what happens when you take a film and it's okay at the beginning, and then you get its sequel and it's not as good, and then you get its third film and it's even worse, and yet for some reason... They have it in their head that somehow the next one will be better. The next one will be better, I promise. And it isn't. Really, this is kind of my plea, but I know it's going to fall on deaf ears at the studios. Let's, let's take, for example, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. Movies I don't much care for. I don't care for I don't care for them for a great number of reasons. And those reasons many many reasons. The first the first film, it was flashy but vapid. That was my take on the film. Flashy and vapid. That wasn't everyone's opinion, that was mine. And I figured the next film was going to be more flashy, more vapid. Was I right? I was. It was flashier. It was more vapid. Then the third film came out. More flashy. Even more vapid. When I say vapid, there was nothing, nothing there. There was nothing, there was no narrational meat there's no story to really sink your teeth into. There was nothing for you to give a damn about anything going on. It was just a bunch of folks running around in fancy outfits and lots and lots of lens flare. God, that guy. Abrams has his fetish for lens flares. I don't know what it is, but that's his thing. You see, that's kind of the problem. <laughs> really, when you really look at it, this was J.J. Abrams and a writing crew that really didn't know how to work with him or uh, were letting was letting Abrams have a lot more say in what was going on. Uh, a lot of people would like to say when you're a writer on a film set, you know, you're writing scripts, that once the script is handed off to the director, honestly, you have no control of it anymore. Once that occurs, it's out of your hands. So what you gave to the studios and what comes out on screen, more often than not, doesn't resemble anything you've written. That is true. That is true. If you're a screenwriter submitting. That's not true 
of the writing staff on set. More often than not, you have to have a writing team on set. You know, there's going to be rewrites. There's going to be changes. There might be, oh, we're, with, after we talked with both the director and the actors, the actors were like, I, I don't know. The way this line is given doesn't feel natural. If we said it this way instead, or I don't know, I don't think this line really fits. Maybe this line to this character and this character's line to my character. I think that fits a bit better. So rewrites are going to need to occur. That's what happens. So when you're a writer on set, you have a lot more leeway, a lot more sway than if you were the writer submitting a script. <clears throat> That's just the way it is. And the unfortunate part is, is that during the Star Trek films, J.J. Uh, Abrams did not have a strong writing team. They had a writing team that was more passive. They were willing to take his ideas and incorporate them somehow into what they were what they were writing, and what they were writing probably wasn't terribly strong to start with. And you end up with something that was very light on the character development and story and very heavy on the flashy visuals. I will give J.J. Abrams the props that he deserves for when it comes to visuals. He does visuals, and they're stunning. When it comes to character development and story arcs, he sucks. He just does. And this was a great example when he transitioned over into the Star Wars films. One, it was a really, really stupid idea by Kathleen Kennedy, who was head of who's head of Lucasfilm, to have a ser three films, a trilogy, without any planning, without any through line story. You had to have a story. You could divide it up among three films. This is what we get introduced to the characters, and they they start getting acquainted. Then film two, we put them in serious peril. And then movie three, we get them out of the peril. That's the basic formula. They didn't even do that part. And then Abrams, of course, came in with his, his take, which relied really heavy on nostalgia, to the point where it was practically a remake of the previous films. All kind of smooshed together into one and some of you longtime listeners have already heard me rant on that one you know the the not luke skywalker on not tatooine finding not r2d2 that was my impression when i came out of the theater of that film and you could see exactly what was happening jj was doing what he did best which was making open leaving open-ended lines open-ended storylines with lots of flash without really delving into anything about them to the point where the ray character whether you agree with me or not is irrelevant the fact remains that that character is a mary sue and is not a good character daisy ridley as an actress no opinion. 
that character of Ray, Mary Sue, unrelatable, not good. That is bad writing. Not bad acting, bad writing. So, you have that issue. Then you have Ryan Johnson, who I will also give props for, to as someone who can be very original and can create some really interesting films. He's also a huge douche nozzle. We can separate the person from the art. The art, quite often, is quite good. The person is quite awful. He's that kind of pompous ass that you would probably, at a dinner party, punch in the nose. Because he's being a pompous ass. When he's creating, he can create some really incredible things. Like I said, Knives Out's actually a decent film. And I give him praise for that. I won't give him praise for his Star Wars film because it's garbage. And it's kind of obvious that when he went into it, he not only did not like the idea of following J.J. Abrams, he also actively tried to sabotage the whole damn thing <laughs> just so he could soothe his own ego. I mean, this is the kind of guy he is. And because you didn't have any guardrails set up, he could. And then they had to, because of creative differences with the third film, no director wanted to touch it, so they had to bring Abrams back in to Frankenstein it, and Abrams is not good at story arcs or character development. Remember that. He's good at flash. He's good at not good at substance. And then he had to Frankenstein this monster together from the shattered remnants of that first film he did and the huge dumpster fire that Ryan Johnson had set alight and then had to stitch it all together into a finished film at the end, which satisfied nobody. It wasn't a satisfying ending. It had so many stupid surprises that it was clear that the writing staff was just reaching, reaching, clutching at straws. They really should have quit. They really should have. Well, they really should have actually had a plan in place, but Kathleen Kennedy is not known. She's she's someone who failed upward. You know, and that's unfortunately quite common. There's a lot of movie executives who failed upward. And they honestly are just a detriment to the whole industry. But nothing you can do about it. I mean, look at Bob Chapek. He, he didn't exactly fail upward, but he didn't, he didn't cover himself in glory either. I mean, he was known as a hatchet man, as a bean counter, something he detests being called, but, you know, shoe fits, princess, wear it. So, eh. we'll see. Who knows, maybe Bob Chapek will fail upwards into the board of directors. <laughs> God. The problem is is just Michael Bay is another is another great example, but Michael Bay he doesn't at the very least his his one saving grace is that he knows what he's making. He's making mindless crap for money. He has no illusions. JJ Abrams has illusions that he's making art. Michael Bay is under no such illusion. He's making crap 
for cash. That's what he's doing. He makes the money, and that's all that matters. He's successful because he rakes in the money. His movies are, in my opinion, not very good. They can range from not very good to pretty bad. But those first, usually first two films, because he always does it as a franchises, look at Transformers. I mean, there's, what, five of the damn things? And it wasn't good to begin with. How that happened, I don't know. But he knows what he's making. He at least is honest with himself. I make crap, and I make crap for money. And that's what I'm creating. I'm creating crap, and I'm making money. Success. So. But honestly, with the Transformers thing, after like the third film, it's like, please stop. Just, just stop. You don't need another one. Or one after that. Who knows, there might be even more. Uh, what's next? GoBots the movie. <laughs> uh, it really, there are, there are some film franchises that they didn't work. They really don't work. You just need to stop. And main, mainly because, you know, it, the director was the wrong fit. Uh, the writing staff was not really good enough. They weren't on the, enough of a good game to really make it better. Uh, I will always leave the set designers and actors, usually as the very last, though occasionally there are miscasts. You know, you have someone who is miscast in a role mainly because of name recognition, which I think is often stupid. I realize why they do it, because if we don't have a big name, people won't know, and they won't really rush out to the theater or whatever to watch the film if they didn't know that if we don't have, you know, a big name actor. It's a draw. It's a marketing ploy. But off but more often than not, in order to get that big name actor, they get someone who is available. Uh, affordable but is n often not the best fit and I'm sure people think I'm going to start jumping to Daniel Craig and the James Bond film. No, Daniel Craig is actually a pretty good actor. He's a good actor and the Bond films themselves aren't terrible, eh, not for the most part, but I've long since stopped caring about the Bond franchise really I think the Bond franchise needs to just end with James Bond being involved that's my opinion you know, it, it's been going on for so long. It, it's just something that needs to, I think, quietly retire. <sighs> but hey, I know better. They're just going to keep trotting him out with some new actor. It's amazing how James Bond, who started out in the 60s, is somehow still going as a secret agent all the way to now. Who knew? Who knew? Well, I think that's going to be it for me for today. So it's time to close up the old shed. But I will see y'all next time. <laughs>